Welcome to the Codependent Me Podcast. I'm Tamara Shaw, a recovering codependent, a codependent life coach, and the co-author of God Turned Mommy's Wine Into Water. This podcast was created to increase the awareness of codependency and to give a more holistic look at the journey and healing of codependence. Welcome to the Codependent Me podcast. I am your host, Tamala Shaw. Today we have a wonderful guest. I've been so very excited for her to come. I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself to our audience. Hi, everyone. My name is Kira Wackett. I am equally as excited to be here. We chatted about was it maybe six weeks or eight weeks ago now, and I've been really pumped. This was kind of a, an exciting transition into the new year for me that we were going to be getting together. So I'm happy to be here. I am a licensed mental health therapist. I live in Portland, Oregon with my husband and my soon-to-be two-year-old, Everly, who um, has been a great experience of living as a pandemic parent of what it means to navigate all of these things. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dive into this topic. Yes, very, very good. Yes, we, um, we spoke, had a wonderful conversation before and realized that even though I am in Nashville, you are in Portland, we are both from Milwaukee. Yes. So <laughs> yes. Yes. Go Wisconsin. So um, yes, I'm very happy that you are here, and I feel as though, you know, your background in therapy, it's so much that you can bring to this topic, um, so if you just want to tell us a little bit about your story and, um, and, and your program and what you offer. Yeah, so I got into therapy. I think like a lot of people, we find ourselves in jobs or professions based on our own experiences, and so I grew up with a lot of early childhood trauma, experienced a lot of different, we'll say disruptive attachments, insecure attachments, and what it looked like to connect or having trust and safety and connection with something that I had to work really, really hard and think even in my 30s, I'm, I'm still maybe on the cusp of just starting to figure it out. When I got into my therapy practice, my draw was to want to help people with these deeply embedded now we know the word is shame. At the time, shame wasn't really talked about in the way that it is now, but these deeply embedded beliefs of not being worthy, not being good enough. And really the connection and why I felt so excited to reach out to you was how this can lead to and push forward codependent relationships, that and trauma and these narratives that we're trying to navigate through. And so a lot of what I do with patients in the therapy room is processing this, doing this one-on-one -on -one work with individuals to help them navigate through their own shame stories, to let go of what doesn't serve them, to really shift into what I call living on purpose and really defining what purpose means to them. What are their values? Who are they? How do they lean in and root into themselves? And then what does it look like to apply that? And then a few years ago, I started my business, Adversity Rising, which is basically taking what I do in the therapy room and trying to bring it out and make it more accessible for other people. So whether that is listening to me in a YouTube video or reading a blog post, or maybe it's something like 
doing one of my therapeutic book clubs or something where we're doing something more immersive and I'm taking my skills as a therapist, but building on that capacity of community and connection with others. And again, making it more accessible because as we've seen, especially in the pandemic, people have wait lists of a hundred plus people long. I just spoke to somebody yesterday who told me she couldn't believe that we could have a consult call within a month of talking to each other because she's currently on six to 12 month waiting lists for every therapist. And so we talk a lot about the difference even in how we can lean on coaching and lean on other supports when it's appropriate and when it can be effective to enhance what we're doing. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit, but one of the things that I'm working on and I'm excited to be launching next year is my new Live on Purpose program, which is basically how do we give people the tools and equip people with the skills? Because one of the things I know you and I bonded over is how do we give people the resources to empower their own story and write their own story rather than inadvertently making them dependent on someone else or something else to feel like they can keep going and survive? So really, how do we get people what they need to heal and to move forward in their own way? Yeah, we talked a lot about shame, too. Mm-hmm. Um, remember how oh, it was just it's so many people are just ashamed of where they are in life and not realizing that they're not the only ones feeling that way and that's why you know I try to use this platform to let people know I mean it's important to tell your story because mm-hmm. you're not the only one going through it so someone and I just believe that God will allow them to hear the story so that they'll know oh it's not just me I can mm-hmm. go out and get help and like you said, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of uh, therapists. There's the place for coaches. Um, and you're so, you, you sit in such a beautiful place, right? <laughs> because there's certain things that I can't do as a coach that you can do as a therapist, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So to be able to know which hat to wear when right. is so yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of those things you're talking about is, so shame is, something that lurks in the shadows. If we think about kind of imagine your body as as a house or a space and shame is the thing that exists in all those corners, all those dark spots, the junk drawers, the rooms that we just kind of shove stuff into. And it's in every space. I mean, as I'm looking, we talked about this before we started the episode, but you know, flexibility in a pandemic, I'm currently sitting in my daughter's room versus in my office space where I normally am. And I look around and there's shadows everywhere. And I see that as kind of a metaphor for how when shame enters, it's like glitter for anybody that's ever had a young person in their home that touches it. You can't get rid of it for years. And what you're doing by trying to allow people to hear other stories, like, okay, it's not just me, is you're bringing light to get rid of that shadow. And what we've learned over years of research in shame and in interpersonal theory and a lot of deeply rooted kind of developmental components of ourself is that the more we talk about something and establish a sense of universalism, the harder it is for those negative thoughts, those negative feelings to consume us and to write our stories. Yeah, for for, for sure, for sure. Um, My mind is going in a lot of different directions right now because like when you said the glitter, like you're, you're, you're so, it's so true. I've got, I'm, I was just looking on my table and I have glitter from where we've, we've played with slime and, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't go anywhere. So you have to just keep working at it, you know? So eventually that glitter may go away, but it's going to take some work. 
right? Yep. So when it comes to that shame, you just have to keep working at it. You have to keep not allowing it to make you go to that corner, you know? Right. Like you said, out of the shadows. Um, right. That's beautiful. So you want to talk a little bit more about your program, the, you said Adversity Rising? Yeah, so I launched my business as my, my whole belief system is around people writing their own stories. And a lot of this came from kind of getting overwhelmed and disheartened by the self-help culture. And in particular, it started to get even harder in the realm of private practice as a therapist in realizing you know, I think about how many self-help books do people own? How many webinars have they purchased? How many conferences have they attended? How much money or time or energy have they invested in a coach, a therapist? And those things are really important and they have a place. But I think somewhere along the line, capitalism has confused self-help in a way that what we end up doing is we end up getting addicted to these resources to help us feel better, but they act as band-aid solutions. And so what happens is, we buy this one book and we learn how to shift the way we're talking with someone or how to do something. And then it works for a little bit, but eventually we go back into our norms. We fall back into those patterns mm -hmm. because it's not sustainable support and we're not kind of rerouting ourselves from the inside out. And so a big focus in what I do in my work is talk about how we don't need more Band-Aid solutions, which is those quick fixes, those temporary reprieves we need to actually create safety and space to go deeper, to talk about, I mean, this is something I'm sure you have talked a lot about. I've heard you in different podcast episodes, but in your other work too, of it gets worse before it gets better if we're actually allowing for true healing. And I think we've made self-help, we've tried to make it so light and cozy a lot of times in a way that we don't say to people, no, you should actually not like me for a period of time if I'm your therapist or if I'm your coach. You should feel uncomfortable. There should be a period of time where your symptoms actually dip and you feel worse. And we need to monitor that and you need to have supports to help you. But that's normal. And that's what change can only really happen if it gets worse because we have to get at the core of what's going on. And so my new program that I'm creating is really about how to give people the tools to do that and the safety to explore it but making it more accessible for someone who maybe can't spend $10,000 working with, you know, a coach for a few years or doesn't have the time to, that they can block in that, you know, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. time slot that their therapist is accepting patients or whatever that might look like. And again, shifting away from, I think I tell people when they come in the therapy room as a coaching client, even just coming to my website is, it's great. I love to connect with you but I'm meant to be a temporary character in your life. You don't want to be working with me forever. The goal is to say goodbye. And so what does that look like? And how do we help you feel like I'm a part of your story, but I don't become sort of the crutch that your story is dependent on to feel okay? Absolutely. I love that because a lot of people don't realize, and I believe it's, we talked about this uh, as well. You, you're never at that point where you're healed you're always healing. Right. And that's something that we have to understand that this is a lifetime of work. It's, mm -hmm. it's not something like you said, where you can read a book, you know, and then at the end of the book, voila. Life's better. All is yeah. well. Right. Oh, right. It's good. And that's not right. the case, you know, because something is going to happen to trigger something. Life mm -hmm. also happens. You might find yourself in a pandemic, right? Right. 
<laughs> okay? Have to, you know, figure out whether you can go outside. Can you go to the to the grocery store? Do you have to wash your groceries? I mean, let's be right. clear. There's so many things that can take you, I don't want to say over the edge, but it'll take you back into that unhealed mm-hmm. mindset. So you have to have the tools, which is what you're offering, the tools to be able to step back. You know, a lot of people don't understand, We, you know, in CODA, we have 12 steps. Well, when you mm-hmm. get to 12, it doesn't mean you're done. Right. You might have to go back to right. three, right? Right. You might have to go back to 11. You may, you may not get to 12 <laughs> for three years, you know? Right. Or you might go from one, two, three, back to one, and then you're ready to go to four now, and then you jump back. And I think that the non-linear and the iterative process of healing is exactly right. That's, I think, the thing we all, radical acceptance, if we don't accept that that is part of our existence and what it means to have, to be a human being and evolving and learning, I think that's where we get stuck because then we feel as though we're failing because we don't have it together and we assume everybody else does. And that's, that's the shift because shame is ultimately, it's a feeling, it's an emotion. We're meant to experience it. We can't get away from it. So healing is not, how do you make that never happen again? Healing is saying, how do I deal with it more effectively? So it doesn't knock me down every time it shows up. So the next time I read the article that, you know, the vaccine trials for two-year-olds are, you know, not successful. And I go, gosh, okay, we got more time. Or the next time that I read, you know, some article about something else in the news, let's even think beyond pandemic, I don't get knocked back. Or when I get a negative piece of feedback from somebody, I don't assume I'm terrible and pull myself out of doing the work that I'm meant to do because I'm caught up in this story of feeling as though I am broken and not enough. Instead, I go, it makes sense. I feel broken and I feel like I'm not enough because this is such a hard thing to experience. Nobody wants to feel like we don't belong or that we're not celebrated or that we're not worthy or good enough. And we've tied what we do and how well we do it to that feeling. But instead I can say, okay, I'm going to validate that. I'm going to give myself self-compassion. I'm going to show up and I'm going to allow that to have some space. I think about having my little pity party for a period of time because I need to. And that's part of the process is to say, this sucks. It's terrible and I hate it and my life is terrible. And then you can come out of it and say, and I'm okay because that's temporary because all emotions are temporary if we don't try to over control them by getting up here and just trust the process in here. Absolutely. That, oh, trust the process. I love that. Um, I used to wear a shirt that said that and it was a reminder for myself. Yeah. Because healing is a process. And I used to, I mean, every, it was, it was so real. I, when I, when I would feel that, I would feel uncomfortable. And I knew that today I needed to trust the process of my day and whatever that entailed, right? Um, whether it be shame, forgiving myself for feeling a certain way, you know, just trusting the process of that day, you know, mm-hmm. because again, it's, you know, people say you take it day by day. Like there's times I have to take it hour by hour or minute by yeah. minute, yep. you know, because that's just where I am in my life that day. Right. Yep. So. Yeah. And that evolutionary experience of what a hundred percent looks like if we're basing it on an external system, all we're doing is contributing to the isms that have built our culture and said that somebody is better or worse because they have done or look like, or act a certain way, instead of saying, yeah. My 100% is specific to me because the context of my life is mine alone. Nobody else can experience that. So the days that you go, ooh, 
all right, my 100% is very different from yesterday. And there's a part of me that feels bad about it because we all want things to be simple. We all want it to be linear. We have to keep progressing and advancing. Instead, we just go law of averages. Most days will be average. Most 100% will exist somewhere in the average. How can I love myself even when the experience feels average? Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's good stuff. So in your life, have you ever Hmm. dealt with any type of codependency? Have you seen it, you know, dealt with it yourself personally? Yeah, I think each and all and somewhere in between of each of those as well. And, you know, I think a lot of what I've learned is, and I, there's a spectrum for everything that we experience, you know, so there, everybody feels depression, not everybody's clinically depressed. And so it's hard to know sometimes because I think codependency is such a subjective interpretation. What I've learned for myself is that I have had a lot of experiences where I have witnessed enmeshment in relationships Mm -hmm. and that modeling by attachment figures and by caregivers has shifted in me to sometimes experience that. And what I've done in the past is I have, I almost think now how I experience it is I, I put everything about me feeling okay onto how the other people or a specific person at different points in my life reacted or were in my life and what that relationship looked like. And so by definition, there's codependency in that. There is feeling as though I can't function without this other person, or I'm not solid or stable without this other person. And my role that I learned is that because I went through a lot of trauma, I was very much a parentified child. I took care of my mom. My mom struggled with some really severe substance use issues and some undiagnosed mental health issues when I was little. And thankfully now she is sober and she has been diagnosed and gotten the supports that she needs. But there was a lot that went into that single mom, only child, I was really parenting her in many ways. And then in a lot of my other relationships with family members, I became the parent, I became the person that took care of everyone. And what I saw for myself is, I became dependent upon finding and deriving worth from taking care of everybody else. So then what would happen is when someone didn't need me, I would lose it, I didn't feel solid in myself. And What I've come to find in my professional practice is because I specialize in anxiety disorders, eating disorders, and trauma, there's a lot of times the people that walk through the door have a very similar experience to me, very high-functioning anxiety, very perfectionistic, oftentimes parentified, oftentimes some sort of trauma that eroded their sense of self and made how they take care of everybody else the baseline of their story. And so a big part of what I think I'm constantly learning about in relationships is we je- we need connection. We cannot survive without connection. And connection requires a certain degree of vulnerability and a certain degree of meeting and connecting and ebbing and flowing in that. So I think the learning process is to figure out how do you do that in a way that you can show up and support people without losing yourself and being that for everybody else. And I think that is a lot of what I do in my practice and what I'm still learning as an individual as well. It's, it's funny that, um, because it, it, it reminds me of what we were, what you were just saying about how, when you're a therapist, you're supposed to be part-time. It's supposed to just be for a portion of someone's life where if they try to make it longer, that's, that's true codependency because they're, 
they're pulling you in and it's dependent on what you say. And I need you to be whole. Yep. Yep. And in all actuality, no, you've got this. <laughs> Trust it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Good. And I, I think it's hard too, because I still feel that. So with therapy patients and with coaching clients, when I'm having the discussion of, ah, we're going to move to every other week or, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're ready to start talking about transitioning out. But I feel the pull too, because I know what that feels like to feel, because you feel abandoned rather than feeling empowered. And that's the difference is how do you shift that into seeing it as a move of empowerment and a move and a sign of strength. And I, I have a lot of clients that I have discharged working with in different settings that we didn't get to a place where they could feel that sense of empowerment or where I could feel it, where I knew it was the right thing, but there's still times where I linger in that of, gosh, I still want to be a part of that or like kind of almost this weird hope of like, I wish they still needed me because you want that feeling. And that's again, where I think the gray area comes into play is some of that is healthy. That means we had a great connection as long as I'm not acting on it and staying in that or you know, trying to protect them from feeling it. So I allow their codependent draws to kind of keep me in the loop as well. Yep, that's good stuff. I like that abandonment versus empowerment. That's really, really good. So what's your website? Because I know everybody's really wanting to find you now. (laughs) (laughs) So anybody that is, and I, I, I'm really excited because about a year ago, I made the decision to leave social media. So now it's really simple. So if you want to find me, go to my website. If you want to connect, sign up for my email list. So it's adversityrising.com. We can put the links down too for people, but adversityrising.com and you can get everything you need from there. And I think I love personal emails and personal connection. And so sometimes I think when people do this work, we distance ourselves from them of, Oh, I can't, I can't email them. I can't tell them what this means. I can't ask my question, but I think that's the best way we can get the support that we need is just be willing to, to reach out and to ask the questions or say the things out loud. So I would love it if people sent me emails, asked me the questions so I can continue to support and enhance what you're already doing on this podcast to give people such a unique perspective from so many different people that you've had on, but also your own journey and how people are evolving and growing with you too. I love that. I love that. Um, I love that. I, I love everything that you're doing. Um, again, I, I get so intrigued because of everything that you do. And you wear a lot of hats and you really, really, you keep it straight and you do it right. And you do it with love, you know, it's, mm. it's, that, it's with boundaries, <laughs> but you do it yeah. with love and that makes all the difference in the world because people can trust it. You know, yeah. they can move forward in it. They know that you know, it's, you're walking in it toward the healing and then the release, right? So that's huge. You have been fantastic. I hope to have you back. I actually would love to do a, like a a Q and A with you one day on a live. Oh, that'd be so good. I would love to do that. I know. Right. I just, yeah, I think that's, I I just, I kind of saw that as you were talking, I'm like, (laughs) to do it maybe this spring or summer or something like that that would be phenomenal yes Yes. well it has been fantastic I ask every guest um what's one thing that you want to leave the audience with I think 
in the last few years, and it's hard for me to know if this is because I, I became a parent about a week before the pandemic. So I'm sure it's equal parts pandemic and parenthood that have helped me inform this and trying to navigate how to be a therapist in this very messy world. But the mantra that I've really come to develop for myself is to have flexible grace in a relentless pursuit of life. And I I find a lot of anchoring in that and thinking about how can I be, how can I be flexible? How can I not try to over control the world and get lost in that desire to control something and be in pursuit of where I want to go? And so that balance between goal-driven, value-driven, the work that I want to do, but also allowing life to happen. And on a day that you wake up and you're like, okay, I've got this and I'm going to get this done. And you know, my daughter's with her grandma for three hours. So I got to go this, this, and this. And you pause and I go, flexible grace. I've Mm -hmm. had no time to myself to just be, and I really just want to watch this new movie that I bookmarked for a few months. And I'm going to do that. And I'm going to fold some laundry because I love folding laundry weirdly. (laughs) And I'm just going to do that. And I'm going to allow myself to be kind in that. And so I think we get stuck in the, I have to do it all and I have to do it all right now. How can you not lose that motivation, but allow yourself as a being to be present in your life? I love that. Flexible grace. That means a lot. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I totally, totally have enjoyed this. Oh, me too. (laughs) And I'll put all of your information at the bottom. So everybody who's listening, just go to the link and it'll be there and she will be there. (laughs) If you need anything, you just let me know. And as I always say, you matter and your story matters. Thank you guys for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye. I understand that nothing is more valuable than your time. So thank you for listening. Be sure to join our Facebook group, Codependent Me, and check out my website at codependentme.org. Thanks so much. Have a great day.